1: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 51, and today we are talking about books released on April 26th, 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well-redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Hello! Hi.
0: It's Sunday morning.
1: (laughs) It's Sunday morning and I am literally like two hours out from finishing a -a 24-hour readathon. I don't think I've been to bed since like
0: Friday. So you actually did all 24 hours.
1: I did. I fell asleep in my chair a couple times, but for like five and ten minutes at a time.
0: (laughs) I did it once or I attempted it once, I think like five or six years ago in my younger and more vulnerable years, (laughs) and (laughs) I started it on time and I think I made it until like 8 p.m. and then I was just like I can't see straight I don't know what I'm doing I was reading like a page every five minutes and I just gave up yeah
1: I started at 8 a.m. yesterday so it's which is fine because I don't sleep very much in the evening anyway except that I didn't sleep very much the night before so I have no idea what I'm gonna say like you know it, it could be anything <laughs> I'm a little losey
0: Little Sunday more. Yeah, I have a, a little like, I'm excited that we're doing this show. We got to, so excited about our anniversary coming up next week and the questions that people were sending in that we decided not to wait and do all of them next week. So we're going to do two new books each this week and also answer some listener questions. And if you have questions for us, you still have another week to send those in and we'll talk about how you can do that later on in the show. So I'm like excited to do that. I'm also definitely still in my pajamas and i i'm not sure if my coffee kicked in and wore off or if it hasn't really kicked in yet or maybe it's not going to <laughs> so yeah. so who knows it'll this is a grab bag of a show but it should be fun Yeah.
1: I'm at the point now where, like, the Red Bull, I don't even think it works anymore because I've been up for so long.
0: You have Red Bull immunity. Like, there's a science, there's a lab somewhere filled with, like, men in white coats just trying to figure out Red Bull that will work for you.
1: Yeah. Well, I've had so much. It's really (laughs) fun to do readathons because my boyfriend is so nice and he goes and gets it for me, but he thinks it's perfectly reasonable to bring home, like, the 20-ounce cans of it. And I'm like, yeah! (laughs) But now I'm like, uh... (laughs)
0: That sounds dangerous. Please don't give yourself a heart
1: attack. (laughs) I'm going to die soon. It's fine.
0: (laughs) Kick us off. uh, Your first book title relates to a thing that neither of us has been doing very much of.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My first pick is called Sleeping Giants uh, by Sylvan Nuevel. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I think I talked about it in our 2016 preview show. Um, It's really awesome and fun. It's about a young girl named Rose. She lives in Deadwood, South Dakota, and one day she's riding her new bike near her house, um, and she does not return. And when the search team is sent out to find her, she is sitting at the bottom of a hole in the earth. Not just any hole in the earth, but a sort of square hole uh, that has glowing carvings along the sides of it, and sitting at the bottom in the palm of a giant metal hand is Rose. So everyone's like, uh, what is going on? Now the book skips ahead 17 years, and the mystery of the hand has still not been solved. Like, they don't know where it came from, uh, what it means. The only thing that they know is that it really defies, like, all science. Like, carbon dating is just off the charts. Um, They cannot figure out what it is. But now the little girl, Rose, has grown up, and she is the head physicist on a secret team still trying to crack the code of the giant metal hand. Um, this novel is told in documents and interviews, which is really cool. Um, one of the interrogators in the book you quickly learn is some kind of like nefarious agent. They, I'm assuming it's a he. I, it, it's been so long since I've read it. I can't remember now if it's a he or a she. Um, but they they obviously have a secret agenda and they're asking people to do like secret things and like go behind other people's backs and they're interrogating people about what they've learned. Um, you get like the idea really quickly that this person doing the interviews is extremely powerful and not to be trusted they can pretty much make anything happen anywhere and that's really cool and it follows along as like rose and her team make progress and figure out what the hand is for um, and deal with this you know secret agent it's just i don't want to give anything else away like i was like wait did they talk about this anywhere else like i was looking at reviews and stuff and they don't so i'm not gonna say anything else um but it's just so much fun it's it's basically, like, the equivalent of, like, a summer blockbuster. It's, like, lots of action and crazy stuff, and it's really fun. I find it to be, like, very Pacific Rim. Um, there was also one of those moments where something happened in the book where I was, like, that's not really what happened, and it is, and you're, like, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> like, wow, I can't believe that thing happened. It's just awesome. So, again, it is called Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Nueva.
0: Maybe that will fill the hole in my heart left by the Martian.
1: Yeah, it's like fun sci-fi. You know, it's like Eddie Izzard does that thing where it's like a popcorn movie. Like, we mm-hmm. eat popcorn all yeah, yeah. time.
0: It's like a popcorn book. Yeah. It's awesome. Everybody needs that. Yes. Cool. What Before do you got? I got uh, real, artists have day jobs and other awesome things they don't teach you in school by Sarah Benincasa. It's so. <laughs> it's also so much fun. Uh, and Sarah Benincasa is a comedian and a writer, and she's done like a million other jobs. She worked for a literary startup at some point, and she alludes to it in the book. But I haven't brought myself to like be creepy enough to Google and try to figure out which no longer existing literary startup it was, because God knows there were a ton of them. Uh, so. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) This is... uh don't let the title fool you it's not really very much at all about being an artist um, except insofar as that's how you know she thinks of herself and her work Um, but that title essay is about the myth that you should be able to support yourself on your art or if you can't you should just starve for your art Um, she gets that you know like pay your bills work a day job use uh, your lived experience like have lots of lived experience including the really mundane things that go along with having a day job you don't love Um, and then be able to focus on your art and channel those experiences into creativity, uh, which I love this message because it's real and true, but also especially living in the publishing world where people um, are so often underpaid. And many people think like, as soon as you have a book published, you're rich and that's your full-time job. And like actually very few authors are paying all of their bills with what they make on the books that they publish. Um, So I appreciated that, just real talk. And actually the book is itself just 52 essays of of real talk. And she sort of teasingly hints at the front that, you know, there's one for each week of the year. Good luck to you if you can space them out that far. Um, Because once I started reading, it was like hanging out with a smart friend that you just want to like tell your stories about embarrassing things that you've done and how you learned life lessons. Um, So there are pieces about art and pieces about work and pieces about how to deal with family, including if you have a terrible family that you have permission to fire them and build a family of your own through your friendships. Uh, There's stuff about taking care of yourself. There is actually a whole essay about how it's important to go to the dentist, but it's really fun and thoughtful. Um, and that's what I took away from this whole collection is uh, Sarah Benincasa putting her personal experience out there. She talks about the anxiety and depression that she struggled with. She talks about other forms of mental illness that she has dealt with her whole life. And um, so she's putting her stuff out there and being really uh, real and honest in service of here are some lessons that I've learned that will probably be useful to other humans as well. And she's just humble and funny in the way that she does it. I think this is a great book to give to a high school or a college graduate, somebody who's going to encounter the real world and might be discovering that the real world is not uh, as easy or as you know exciting perhaps as they anticipated. And uh, one of the things that I that I found to be true that I think most of us find to be true as we grow up is like, you never feel as put together as you think you're going to feel like, I remember riding the train in Chicago in college and looking at people that were like in their mid 20s, who were probably in grad school or working their first jobs and being like, oh, they have it so together. I can't wait to be that old and to have it together. And now in my early 30s, I look at women who are 40. And I think the same thing. And um, she's really validating that like, you're probably not always is gonna ever feel like you have it all together, um, but here are some ways that humans can work on being better humans. Um, and she talks about intersectional feminism and faces up to some of the biases and prejudices that she had, and discusses how she got over those and educated herself out of them uh, to be a better person. I just really enjoyed reading it. This was a pleasant, fun experience. I want to buy Sarah Benincasa a drink and hang out sometime. Sarah, if you're listening, if you're gonna be at Bea, hit me up, girl. Let's hang out. Uh, so again, it's. Real Artists Have Day Jobs and Other Awesome Things They Don't Teach You in School by Sarah Benincasa.
1: I have two thoughts. Okay. okay. If I can count that high. Right now. <laughs> One, uh, her memoir, Agora Fabulous, is also fantastic. It's about when she was younger and in college <laughs> and, and she got very depressed and um, couldn't leave her college room, her dorm room, um, and stayed in there for a long time and, and what that was like and getting treated for that. And my second thought what was it? Oh, yeah. I was reading an essay on a writer from, like, the 1940s, and they said, oh, she took up writing to support her family. And I was like, <laughs> ha, 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 Oh, that's so old now. <sighs> yeah, it's just, it's amazing. You know, I think I read once that, like, less than one percent of all published authors make a living at it, you mm-hmm. know, so it's just so different than how it used to be, you know, a hundred years ago.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's- just... It's crazy. just so different from how people still think it is. And writers and publishers support that myth. I think that's breaking down. Um, yeah. But m- more writers are starting to talk about the fact that they have day jobs and are starting to talk about what their day jobs are. And I want more of that. It's better for everybody if we know, you know, the truth. It uh, might
1: have something to do with the fact that we talk about being in our pajamas a lot <laughs> and not having to wear pants.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is very glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Before we keep going, let's do our first sponsor this week. Um, Send Me Swooning is back. It is a brand new monthly literary romance subscription box. Monthly, uh, mind you. They send sexy, sassy literary romance novels to you each month, along with three to five bookish items. The first one is going to ship in May, which is perfectly timed for Mother's Day, hint hint, and it's themed around classic romantic heroines. So if you can't get enough romance books in your life, you can get Send Me Swooning to send you things every month, and increase that. The price starts at thirty one ninety nine plus shipping for one month. You can save money when you choose a three or six month subscription and all the books listeners are going to get a 10% discount off your first month if you use the code All Books. So again, we've got Mother's Day coming up. You want to give your mom or a mother in your life, maybe your best girlfriend or, you know, whoever, a subscription box um, for romance. They'll get carefully selected books and again, three to five bookish items picked for romance readers. This is classic romantic heroines for May, you go to sendmeswooning.com and use the code All Books to save 10%. And if you're on Spotify, you can find their classic romance songs playlist, which features classic goodies from Frank Sinatra all the way to Celine Dion. Uh, so go check out sendmeswooning.com and use the code All Books to save 10% off your first month or the first month that you gift to someone. Woohoo! All right. I'm so in denial that we're, like, far enough into spring for it to be Mother's Day
1: yet. Yeah. April is almost
0: over, which is insane. It's crazy. Uh, What is your next pick, my dear?
1: My next pick is called Panther by Brecht Evans, and it's translated by Michelle Hutchinson and Laura Watkinson. Um, It's a graphic novel. We don't talk a lot about graphic Mm. novels on the show, but this one completely blew me away. It's so visually stunning and beautiful. Um, I just wanted to, to mention it. It's about a young girl who lives with her father and with her cat, Lucy, uh, a girl named, uh, Christine. And one day Christine goes to school and when she comes back, Lucy is not there. Lucy was very old and sick and it turns out that her father has taken Lucy to the vet and, and she has been put down. Um, uh, Christine is devastated. She's, you know, she didn't expect it. She's, you know, still young enough that she doesn't really understand death, um, and so she's very, very sad and withdrawn about the whole experience. And one night, she gets into bed, and she's there, and she meets Panther, who is a Panther who comes out of the bottom drawer of her dresser, like, just, <laughs> just opens up the bottom drawer. And she's like, how, like, how did you get in there? He's like, I'm a Panther. I can go
0: wherever I want. Because that's not terrifying.
1: Right. Well, he's he's pretty groovy looking. He's like, I mean, the colors in this and, and his imagination are just amazing. And the Panther's like, he's covered in spots. Which is interesting, because you'd think he was a leopard, but he's a panther. And he comes out of the bottom dresser, and he says his name is Octavanus Abracadolphus Pantherus, crown prince of Pantherland. <laughs> okay. And they forge this quick friendship, and he, like, hangs out with her, and she asks him all these questions, and um, he's really eager to please her, and as they're talking, she kind of, sh- like, shapeshifts into the things they're discussing. Like, if they're talking about a duck, he kind of looks like a duck, and... And he starts like she, he'll be like you know oh well I ate a chicken and she's like I, you didn't eat a chicken he's like no no I didn't eat a chicken I meant I took a chicken to the zoo like I'm not remembering this correctly I'm sure but it's very obvious that he just wants to tell her what she wants to hear and kind of she kind of like drives the conversation and so they so like they hang out with their friends she, you know they sleep curled up together and and she, she starts spending her evenings like talking to Panther. Um, but she begins finding her favorite toy, her stuffed dog, uh, out in the hallway, it, it, like when she gets up at, hmm. in the morning. And she doesn't know how he got there. Like in her head, like her stuffed animal, her stuffed dog is alive too, but we all know that stuffed animals are not alive, at least not when we're looking. Um, and so Panther, you know, starts to talk about his other friends that live in Pantherland, but he won't let Christine go to Pantherland and meet them. He's like, no, 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 you have to have all these special stamps. Um, and it becomes clear that he is trying to separate her from her toys and keep her away from from his friends and everyone else, and he just wants her all for himself. Um, Like I said, this book is so visually stunning, and really what it is, it's about a little girl's grief. It's about how she deals with depression. There's a thing about her mom that just comes up very suddenly and then goes away, and you're like, whoa. Um, And it's about how, you know, we know that, like, she's the one putting the dog in in, in the hallway, you know. Um, We don't see it, but, like, It's about her feelings of growing up and, and, you know, getting older and, you know, she wants to lock her door and her dad won't let her lock her door. And um, it's just about how she deals with these things. And it's amazing. And it's like I said, it's a graphic novel. It's not for children. Like it's definitely there's some like really weird things. And I was like, that's so weird. Um, Not for kids, but. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And I just want to say, though, if you have a child who has lost a pet or a loved one or a friend or something, and you're looking for a great book that deals with that, I just read a book a few weeks ago called Death is Stupid, and it is for little kids, and it's the perfect, perfect book for, for that. Um, but again, this one is called Panther, and it is by Brecht Evans.
0: Whew. Yeah. I'm not going to top a Panther just crawling out of a dresser drawer. Okay. (laughs) But my next pick is really good. It's The Water Museum by Luis Alberto Urea. Urea, Urea, I'm not sure. I have been meaning to read him forever. Uh, This is out in paperback this week. Somehow I didn't even know when it came out last year in hardcover, so I was really delighted when it showed up on my doorstep this week, and I was like, oh, right, okay, yes, he has this, and I really have been meaning to read him. This is a wonderful collection of short stories. Many of them had been published previously in various literary journals. And so they're brought together for the first time here. This was I mean, I don't know what the rest of his work is like. But if it's like this at all, I'm just going to read all it's of amazing. It. Uh, the stories are set in the American Southwest and Mexico, and they're all real. Most of them are really about, you know, like the normal lives of real people. Um, not that weird short story thing that I often talk about, but the other one, just real lives that are grounded in recognizable experiences and sort of universal themes. Uh, the opening piece is about a woman named Frankie who runs a diner in a small town and the regulars that are waiting outside the diner every morning for her to serve coffee and sort of the repeating jokes and just the characters there and like the big event that happens one day is that a cow wanders through uh, town and drops a big load of poo right outside the diner and the guy who promises that he'll scoop it up doesn't scoop it up and she goes home and thinks about her life uh, which <laughs> <laughs> like sounds like nothing happens but he makes it so compelling as we learn about her background and who these different people are that make up the town and you can just imagine this like dusty hot dry southwestern small small town with the people who have all known each other since they were kids and they've been telling the same stories you know for the last 35 years but they're there and they're living it together. So good. Um, The title story, The Water Museum, is uh, sort of speculative fiction, slightly dystopic, but in a super believable way um, in which a drought hit the United States eight years previous. um, And we're seeing people in one of the states that have been the most affected, where like the kids grow up not knowing what rain is. And so the story is about a little boy, uh, a teenage boy whose mom is going as a chaperone on the school field trip to the water museum where there's like a hologram of a waterfall um, and they um, water is so rationed that the government like comes and leaves a family's month supply of water at their house and that's all you get for the month and so like there's there's no extra uses of water so when you arrive at this water museum they spritz you with one spritz on the face and this is so novel and exciting for kids and then they take them into this room uh, that plays the sounds of a thunderstorm and the kids just freak out because they've never had that experience and, um, start, he starts asking his mom on the way back, like, was the world really like that? It's just a stunning story. I read it three times in a row. Um, and there's a, an award-winning story in the piece also called Amapola, um, for which he won an Edgar prize. That's about a boy who, a white boy who falls in love, uh, with a Mexican girl, the sister of one of his friends, and then gets into more than he bargained for with her family, uh, Also, just kind of edge of your seat for a short story that's about a a, a pretty common experience with some uncommon elements. I just was knocked out Um, and I am so going to just stack up the rest of Luis Alberto Urea's books. Um, If you want an in, I can tell you the Water Museum is a great place to start. And again, his name is Luis Alberto Urea.
1: He's awesome. He's so awesome. Definitely worth following on Twitter. He's
0: great. Oh yeah, I think I started following him on Twitter like when I first started tweeting, and that was how I discovered him. And I've been meaning to read one of his books ever since. And uh, oh man, this was so good. It was so good.
1: Um, and I'm awesome.
0: glad I I'm glad I read it before the like hot miserable dog days of summer. But there's this moment in the Water Museum story uh, where they walk into a room that uh, simulates humidity, and the kids don't know what it is. And I was like, oh Virginia. Oh <gasps> um okay so those are our that's our new books portion of this show before we move on to our q a for our early anniversary celebration i just want to shout out for a second in our second sponsorship spot uh the book riot store we have a cool mother's day sale going on as you are listening to this on the 26th or after you can buy any tote bag plus any pair of bookish socks from our store for 21 bucks Uh, so you can treat yourself you can treat your mom you can treat your you can treat your best girlfriend, whatever, uh, go to store.bookriot.com. And if you are listening on Tuesday on the 26th, just through the 26th and 27th, we'll also still be running a deal where if you spend $40, you get a free necklace. Um, and there are some cool literary necklaces. One says, So It Goes, from Liberty's boyfriend, Kurt Vonnegut. I have it. Uh, of course you do.
1: <laughs> <They're>, um, <laughs>
0: I think there's a Virginia Wolf one. There's an Alice in Wonderland one. There are a couple inspired by To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, So cool things. And if you're shopping for your mom or yourself or whoever, uh, might as well add a necklace to your shopping cart and get it for free. So store.bookriot.com to get any tote bag and pair of socks for 21 bucks. I think that's a pretty good deal. Uh, And if you spend $40, you'll get a free literary necklace. Um, So check us out at the Book Riot store. We also have lots of t-shirts and hoodies and there are leggings and all sorts of coffee mugs you name it Uh, and there's book riot original designs plus everything from our partners at out of print so store.bookriot.com and now it's time for some questions and answers I didn't study. <laughs> well, see, this is easy because you just have to talk about yourself. Oh, man, I'm so tired.
1: <laughs> you be me. Just talk in a higher register and say, um, an amazing a lot. You can do it. No one'll know the difference.
0: <laughs> I was thinking last week after you impersonated me so well that like I would attempt to do it for you at some point, but I will have to prepare in advance because my analogy generator is not nearly as creative as yours.
1: He was going to be like, surprise murder, Red Bulls, surprise murder. Yeah, <laughs> Civil War. Yes, there you go. I'm so tired, I don't even know.
0: <laughs> All right, so our first question comes from uh, Kimberly Schaffer. Or, yeah, I think Schaefer Schaffer. And she wants to know, how do we decide which new books to review and do we avoid big name authors?
1: Um, I do not avoid big name authors. I just don't seem to read them right away. And Mm -hmm. also, well, I mean, I don't avoid them, but I feel like, you know, the new Stephen King is going to get enough attention on its own that, you know, it doesn't necessarily need us to be like, yeah. Um, So, I mean, I still read them, though. uh, But I like, I look for things that interest me. That's exactly the one thing. I can't talk today. That's the (laughs) one thing that I have. It's like, oh, that looks interesting. I want to read that. And so, you know, that's my first pick. I love indie presses, so I always look at their catalogs first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You? Basically the same. I think people always wish or hope that there's like a secret formula to this, but it really comes down to what am I interested in that I start and finish and really like when I'm done with it. Um, I also don't intentionally avoid big name authors, you can bet that the next time there's a new Dan Brown novel, you're going to hear about it on this show. um, Because I just love him so much. Uh, And we've I know we've talked about like fates and furies. And we talked about a little life like we do hit some of the big, um, the big hits of the year, because we're interested in what those are going to be like. To um, And I think we're always trying for um, a diverse and interesting list in many senses of the word. We don't want to have everything just be uh, commercial fiction or just one genre or just nonfiction. Sometimes things stack up and we do end up with like a very nonfiction heavy show, but... I always think about like across the life of the show, we want to have talked about all the genres and it's important to us also that, um, we're including books by women and books by people of color and books, uh, by people from the LGBTQ communities, um, LGBTQ communities. And, uh, we're thinking about all of those things when we put the agenda together. But the very first question is like, did I love this book and do I, can I genuinely recommend it to people? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's really sad and we're texting each other on Sunday nights before our Monday recordings. Uh, like I've hated everything that I've tried so far. So I guess I'm going to stay up all night <laughs> finding, finding something. It happens. <laughs> it does happen. And like some weeks are just better than others for new releases. But um, yeah, there's not like there's really not a Secret formula, we definitely each have our wheelhouses and our certain things that we can't resist. And so those, those recurring like themes and tropes show up a lot, but it's, um, it's, it's really what looks good that I want to give a shot to and then that you finish and like
1: whatever the voices tell me.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, Next up, Jan Rosenberg wanted to know how do we juggle reading so many books with work and life in general?
1: um that's what I do and you don't sleep so (laughs) yeah it yeah um that that's it yep I read books for a living so I don't know I don't leave the house (laughs) I don't socialize much I don't yeah I don't enjoy anything but read I read 15 to you know 17 hours a day
0: so that like my eyeballs are hurting just thinking about that
1: I'm I'm mine don't and I'm Imagining like one day I'm going to wake up and like I'll sit up and they'll just have all crumbled to dust and like, <laughs> fall down out my cheeks. <laughs> they're just gonna like, fall out of your face yeah, on spring. Like, like a they're cartoon gonna, character. They're gone. <laughs> I'll wake up and they'll be like little things that say
0: on strike. <laughs> yeah. No more. Uh, I don't think I do a super great job of juggling reading books. For work and life, Um, for the almost five years that we've been running Book Riot, I have promised myself that at some point I'm going to start thinking about the reading that I do for work as part of my working life, um, like as part of the hours that I work in a week. Um, But that has never yet happened (laughs) because we're a small company and we run really lean. And so like all of my working hours need to go to doing work. Uh, And so I will like read over lunch sometimes or when I'm reading a book that is specifically about work stuff. Like right now I'm reading uh, the book I mentioned last week, What Works, about gender equality and how to design workplaces that support gender equality. I'll do that, like a half hour of that during the workday. But mostly I get my reading in the same time that other people who are working full-time jobs get their reading in, like it's, you know, in the evenings. Um, I did start this year, I got, I started getting up 30 minutes early um, and I spend that extra 30 minutes after I've had coffee and before I start working reading on most days, but it's evenings and weekends and like little blips in between. Um, But I probably read on average for like two hours a day. Um, I watch a lot of TV and like to walk my dog and go to the gym. And so I try to I try to do all of those things. Too. Um, and it's like everybody else's life. There's lots of trade offs. If I want to read more, then I have to do less of something else. Um, or, Showering. <laughs> I mean, sleeping. I'm, I'm not spending time picking out clothes and putting like makeup on. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I think it's for me. It's just a like. Maybe someday I'll think about like this. This book that I'm reading is part of work, and so I will sit at my computer for one hour less today. But um, I I don't know when that's gonna happen. Uh, so it's lots of stolen minutes here and there. Um, let's see. Oh, and when I listen to audiobooks in the car. That helps too. Um, gym like gym time is multitasking because I'm listening to audiobooks while I get cardio in let's see uh we have a question from priya marathe and this is for you miss liberty uh, she says well reading... i think
1: it's for both of us yeah really.
0: reading so much do you feel you have less time to let a book sit with you how do you still feel um wh- how do you still feel it all when the next book is up um she says she's been reading more this year and she's been worried about this
1: um now that i do it full time for my jobs i i definitely feel like i don't have as much time for them to sit with me, and I also get them confused in my head. Like, mm. especially especially mysteries and thrillers. I'm like, and then, that's right, she found the rabbit with the green hat on the boat! And, wait, no, that was on that other mystery. And, like, I just start mixing them all up in my head, and I don't have as much time. It, it, but then I have found that, like, some books still stick with me, and I can't stop thinking about them. Like, um, The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. I read that, like, six weeks ago, and I still think about it all the time. And I'm like, that is an amazing book. It's, like, stuck in my head, and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop telling everyone about it. Um... But yeah, I mean, I that we were talking about like things that we sacrifice. I think I do sacrifice a little bit of like sitting with a book because I just go, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Um, but I like it like that. It's fun. I like to read as mm-hmm. much as I can, you know. Um, so that's my answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think when a book is going to stick with you, it's going to stick with you and the challenge with doing this show and having that book sticking with you feeling is then like, sometimes I finish a novel and it's like, well, I'm just going to be ruined for fiction for several days now. Um, So I'm going to go watch like several hours of Netflix to recover from that. And then I will read something that's totally different. Um, So usually if a novel has really knocked me out, I read a memoir or some nonfiction or something, or occasionally that's a show where you hear me say like I'm halfway through this, or I've been looking at this <laughs> book and I haven't started it yet, but it looks good. And often it's because the fiction that I read was so good that I just like could not bring myself to put any other books in my brain just yet. So I think you kind of make some room for that. Um, nobody has a gun to our heads telling us how many books we have to read every week. So if you want, that's what you think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's happening over in your bat cave. <laughs> but your cats do look shifty
1: (laughs) they're so shifty
0: uh yeah so it's I you know I think about the novels that affected me all the time but I also do get them mixed up and I'm constantly like if we bump into a friend or like one of Bob's coworkers, and they're like oh what have you been reading lately I just can never remember off the top of my head like even the book I was holding in my hands half an hour previous. I just can't remember what it was. It, like I have to I'd be like, "Can you please hold while I pull up my spreadsheet?" And then I'm going to be like, "Okay, right. Yeah, I read this book last week and I did really like it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It Spreadsheets does, are the best. They really really are. Uh, Emily Ringborg wants to know how does Liberty organize her books? This is <laughs> I, an amazing answer. <laughs> oh, well, it's
1: is it? I don't know. I think it's kind of boring, but Um, so all upstairs are books alphabetized by title. Um, I found that in trying to remember books, I remember the title more often than I remember the author, so they're all done by title. So those are all upstairs, and then downstairs in my office are all books, um, they're all advanced reading copies that I also organize, uh, by month. So my office is filled with those, and that's my exciting answer. Oh, I was thinking about your reading journal system, I guess. Oh, no, I think we've discussed that before. Like, oh, I have right. seven journals, and I... Because, um, no, I think the second part of this was, like, I see piles and piles and piles every time Aww. I see your Instagram <laughs> photos. Um, but that that's how I do it. It's, it. I didn't used to organize my galleys by month, and it was a huge mess. I'd be like, I meant to read this book six months ago. And so now I do it by month and it's
0: amazing. Uh, I it's like very helpful. the opposite system. When galleys come in the house that look good, I tag them in Edelweiss, which is a website for, where publishers put their catalogs up. So I tag Ooh. them for their date and then I just stick them in one of the stacks in my office. And when we get to the week where I'm starting to think about like whatever date, I start looking through Edelweiss of like, what's coming out on May 3rd? And I'm like, oh, right, that's sitting over in that stack in my office. I guess I'll pick that one up. Um, but it's so unorganized. Like I'm constantly telling myself, I'm going to organize them by date, or I'm going to like put sticky notes on the spines, or I'm going to do something. And it's like, I'm not I'm just gonna have piles of books covered in dog hair. And that's I'll come over
1: to your house and do it. (laughs) That would be so much fun. I used to think like, I wonder if I could give people to pay me to like come over to their house and organize their books. I'm sure that you could.
0: I am sure that you could. Hey, that leads into our next and final question for today. Uh, JP Hepburn wanted to know what what job other than this one would we like to do? Besides being a book organizer, I guess. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. It's funny. I was asked this question on a different podcast last week, and I'm like, I don't want to do anything else. I want to read books, and that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, maybe I would if I had it in my head, which I don't. But if I could, I would love to write a book. Mm. I think. Um, be a librarian. That would be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think about doing panda tickler. Panda tickler. Yeah, that would be cool. Oh, they're kind of mean, but that would still be pretty awesome. Totally worth it. All right, that's all I got.
0: I'm just picturing you, like, in a little suit of armor, getting ready to, get to go tickle the I'm in chainmail and I can't roll away from them fast enough because it's so heavy. You're in, like, I was picturing you, like, in Ewok armor with a little spear. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. An eye patch. <laughs> yes.
0: This is the place that today's Sunday morning podcast (laughs) is going. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think about doing something unrelated to books and the internet. Like this is my uh, like sort of daydream fantasy when the internet is being really terrible. I'm like, I'm just gonna burn down my home office and throw out my laptop and take all of the social networks off my phone and like be a yoga teacher. I love yoga. I think I might do like I might get certified at some point just for the sake of doing it. We're
1: (laughs) certified.
0: We're certifiable. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think I might do it at some point. But um, I like currently when I'm like, Oh, okay, I'm totally over this whole book thing, which happens maybe more frequently than uh, I would like to admit. uh, I think about that. But it's been various things in my bookish career. Like at one point I was like, I'm going to do something with food. And then I was like, actually, no, I just like to eat food. Uh, So Look at food on Instagram. Well, I like to cook and eat food, but I don't think I want to be a professional food something. I don't know. But currently I think a lot about like being a yoga teacher and just wearing yoga pants all the time and not having to do anything with the Internet ever. Uh, That would be exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's our QA portion. But if you have more questions, we will continue to celebrate our anniversary next week on our actual anniversary. And you can either email them to us at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. Um you you have something up your sleeve for oh, this yeah, portion so of like the show?
1: I, well no, no. I just I it popped into my head last night in the middle of the readathon when I when I my brain is all red Um so we're now we're gonna discuss what we're going to read now. So Let's see if I can do this. Um, It's all right to tell me what you think that you'll read. (laughs) Did I do good?
0: Oh, my goodness. Did you you just do Blink-182? I did, yeah. Oh, Liberty, I love you you so much. So what are you going to read now? Um, I think I'm actually going to read Sleeping Giants. Um, mm-hmm. We have a social media campaign, an ad campaign coming up for it on Book Riot. So I got a copy of it this week and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, this is beautiful and it sounds great. And then you talked about it on the show and it sounds even greater. So I think that's what I'm going to do. Um, awesome. I guess this is reading up. <laughs> <laughs> What's on your list?
1: Okay. I'm afraid to even talk about it because it might not actually be real. I could be hallucinating it, but it is 1,300 pages, so if I'm hallucinating it, it's really big. Um, It is the long-awaited, much-rumored Jerusalem by Alan Moore. You might know Alan Moore. He did Watchmen Mm -hmm. and from Hell, Vase for Vendetta, Prometheus, Promethea, I can't remember Promethea. A lot of graphic novels. This is a novel, and then, like I said, it is... 1,300 pages long, and I am so excited. So excited. So you'll be finished with it by lunchtime tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll just stay up another day and read it now. Um, but it's incredible. My you're, gonna, friend, you're gonna look like Alan Moore if you don't get some. <laughs> it, sleep I'm, sleep. I'm halfway there. Yeah, he's a scary dude, and they have this like really scary photo of him on the back, and it's awesome because he's so awesome and crazy and awesome. Like I kind of enjoy the fact that he put this out there, but you also know that he's really mad that people are going to read it because <laughs> um, he's just like that. But. My friend was like, "I'm not even sure that I really believe it's him." And like, I opened it up to a random page, and it was this really dirty sex scene written in this completely made up language, like this weird dialect. And he's like, oh, "Okay, yeah, that's completely, that's real, that's definitely him." <laughs> so that's what I have going on. Maybe it was just in English, and I'm just so tired that I don't. I just made it all up. I don't oh, know. <laughs> no.
0: I feel like slightly delirious on Red Bull is probably the right way to read a 1,300 page Ellen Moore novel. Yeah, you're ready. Yeah. That's probably uh, how he wrote it. That's probably so. Uh, that's our show this glorious Sunday morning. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor, Send Me Swooning. Go to sendmeswooning.com to get your first month subscription and use the code All the Books for 10% off. And don't forget to check out store.bookriot.com to get any tote bag plus a pair of socks for $21 and a free necklace with any $40 purchase. That's just through the 27th, the necklace deal. So if you're listening early in the week, Run, do not walk uh, to get your special deal. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Send us your questions. Uh, You can also hit us up on Twitter. And if you send us your questions on Twitter, please do let us know it's a question for the show. Otherwise, we'll just think you're a nice person asking a question and we'll answer it quickly. And then we won't have things to talk about here. Uh, (laughs) I am at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute and you want to rate or review the show on iTunes, we would be most appreciative. And you help other book nerds who want to hear about books and Red Bull and yoga pants fantasies find their way to this whatever this fine show is (laughs) that we're doing
1: and as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today it is unsafe for me to be awake any longer Um, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash allthebooks as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and I just want to mention again we mentioned it a few weeks ago you can now find us uh, on the Spotify app we are one of Spotify's first podcasts and uh, you can find me on Litzy I love Litzy, I'm obsessed with it, so please look us up there. Uh, you're Rebecca Shinsky, right? I am indeed. On Litzy. And Book Riot is there too. And Book Riot. And that's it. Happy reading. Happy reading.